0: Welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I'm Maggie Ulmer, and on today's episode, I sit down and speak with one of my favorite people on earth, Dr. Pete Bellini. Pete is on the podcast today to discuss the upcoming X Seminar, which is taking place at United Theological Seminary coming up here in the first week of May. It's a one-day seminar on deliverance ministry based on Dr. Bellini's book, The X Manual. We also discuss his new upcoming book called Thunderstruck, the deliverance ministry of John Wesley. And in the beginning of the podcast, we spend a little bit of time debriefing some things that happened at the Spirit and Truth conference. We talk about the Office of the Prophet. It's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Pete, thank you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Pete, thank you so much for being on the Spirit and Truth podcast today. Um Listeners, it's just me and Dr. Pete Bellini.
1: Just, uh, just us.
0: <laughs> yeah, over Zoom. And um, there's a lot to cover today, a lot of meaty things to talk about. And I'm excited to get into several things, um, especially the X Seminar, and your, you have a new book coming out soon, and maybe a little bit of, you know, chatting about the X Manual and the X Seminar and all that. And then uh, listeners, what we were just talking about right before we started recording was something that happened at the Spirit and Truth Conference, which if you were there, you may have witnessed this. And if you're subscribed to the Substack and then you listen to Kim Moss's session, you would have heard this also. But um, I, at the conference, Kim Moss called me up on stage on the platform and prayed over me and called me out in the office of the prophet and um pete and i were just talking about that a little bit <laughs> and what the what the significance of that is and um yeah so yeah that's
1: and, not too overwhelming is it
0: no it's actually it's <laughs> not i mean
1: and i was saying that facetiously but
0: yeah yeah i mean on the yes it is incredibly overwhelming um But then, also at the same time, I—it's not anything I earned. It's not anything that I can manufacture. So, right. But Pete, you know a lot about fivefold things, and um, I'm—you know—how would you describe the office of the prophet? Because you sit in that office, don't you?
1: Well, I mean, I—I'm one of those persons that you know. I don't like to use the titles a lot.
0: Yeah, I know
1: you know, and I'm not big into advertising the titles and saying, you know, I'm a fivefold minister. and I I feel that if someone is an evangelist or an apostle or a prophet that, uh, and I do believe those exist today, probably the apostolic, not obviously in the same sense as the early church with the original 12 that were qualified by being witnesses of the resurrection and Paul Mm -hmm. himself one, you know, born, I mean, out of time in the sense of he he had a vision, but I believe uh, the apostolic still exists today and all the fivefold ministry still uh, that it exists today. But I prefer that you, one does the work of whatever that is, like Timothy, do the work of an evangelist and, and, you know, this person down the street, do the work of an apostle. So mm-hmm. don't worry about the titles and and all of that, because those things could puff us up. And like you said, they're, they're, they're offices that are gifts, they're given to us, we don't earn them. But yeah. uh, as humans, we're very susceptible to ego and power mm. and pride, and let those go to our head. So it's better just to be humble and do the work of those things. And then the people will see the fruit and yeah. recognize, you know, that that person walks in that call or anointing. Um, You know, I I, I prefer I prefer to do it that way instead of you know some kind of fivefold cosplay uh, <laughs> where we all you know everyone pretends they're somebody everyone's a bishop and everyone's a, an apostle and a prophet and yeah you know, that 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 gets old if we had a, if we had as many of those people if they were who they said they were the church in this country wouldn't be in the shape that it was in oh that's but- true. But um I guess before I look at the definition, I would want to ask you a question and say, um bef- before Kim said that to you, prophesied mm-hmm. that to you, what did what did that add to your understanding of your own call, if anything, or was it just a confirmation?
0: Yeah, it's it's sort of it was just confirmation. I mean, I've and and that's not to say and to say it's confirmation is not to say that i've spent a ton of time trying to define what right. i do it's just sort of like the way that it has happened for me is um i i feel like it just unfolded that way and then somebody who knew more than i did right. recognized the sort of the, the characteristics or the nature of the type of um, way I engaged the church or the type of ministry I sort of naturally flowed into. They said, I had someone say to me once, Oh, that's, you know, that's very prophetic.
2: Uh-huh. And,
0: um, and I would, you know, the first time I, someone ever said that to me, I was just kind of like, okay, you know, but I mean, it doesn't, it just, the, the, the label didn't necessarily change anything.
2: Right. If it was,
0: if there was anything that changed by having it called out, which did create some, some, I had to make some sort of very fast intentional decisions internally Mm -hmm. was that it was publicly acknowledged. And I felt, yeah, I I felt an immediate sort of heightened sense of responsibility.
1: Right. Yeah. There's a difference between if, if one had, that word revealed to oneself privately between you and God. Yeah. One or several occasions over the years. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, that's something that you and I know, Lord. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll walk that out. But everyone else doesn't know that. So they don't have all these expectations of me. But mm-hmm. now it's been declared publicly. And so they're all like, oh now we we have to watch when we're around her because she, <laughs> she she's a prophet. She knows if we've been bad or good, yeah, right. <laughs> be well, good for goodness sake,
0: I, yeah. I mean, I it's funny because, um, someone was joking around with me like that, and I thought to myself, no, that's the the opposite of how I felt. I immediately felt like I knew even le- like right, I knew the the aspect of being exposed so i have had moments in the past where the lord has you know spoken things to me about here's what i want you to do here's how here's the way i want you to to behave in the church or among the people you know things like that but then when it's called out um publicly what i immediately thought was well the most honest thing i can say is is all of the little like corners of my spiritual formation life that have dust bunnies in them. I was immediately (laughs)
1: like,
0: well, I got to clean that stuff up real quick.
1: Right. Right. Well, I, I, yeah, yeah. I think those are good responses.
0: Oh, well that's good. I mean, I
1: think think those, I think it's good to have a humble response because it can be overwhelming. There's a lot of responsibility uh, in any office that God gives us, especially an office, a prophetic office we have to, you know, we have a higher accountability and greater responsibility before God and before the church and the world. And so, yeah, you, you, kind of, it humbles you, you count the cost and yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I will say that that happened and, um, I did have a really funny experience before I even knew what was happening. I, um, was sitting, you know, in the with the rest of the congregation or rest of the I call them a congregation, but it, you know, the people who were attending the conference right. just sitting out in this, you know, in the chairs in the seats. And, you know, Kim, Dr. Moss sat on the platform and she said, okay, I need Matt, Rob, and Maggie to come up onto the platform. And as I was walking up, I had like a little word of not, a little word of wisdom, a little word of knowledge yeah. from that said, all of a sudden I had this like short little list of things that ran through my head that was like, after this, you're not going to be doing any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. So just like, you know, funny little habits that aren't necessarily sinful, but are things that like you use to sort of veg out or numb yourself from stress or whatever. Right. Like that stuff right away was in my head, and the Lord was like, "Get ready, because these are going." Hey. And I thought to myself, "Oh, well, what is about to happen?"
1: Right, right.
0: So anyway.
1: Well, yeah, ho- ho- hold on tight. The, the, the ride is gonna, it's gonna be bumpy. Um, yeah. Back to your question, you know, um, you know, what is a, a, a prophet yeah. in office and? Uh, I I like to first begin when I share that sort of thing and def- define that uh, office to uh, delimit it by <clears throat> looking at uh, you know, what what a what the gift of prophecy is. And so yeah. uh, the, the, not everyone who uh, who has the gift of prophecy is a prophet. Mm-hmm. but but everyone who's a prophet, has the gift of prophecy, so if that if that makes sense. So just having a gift doesn't make it necessarily an office or an office gift. That gift can be one of many gifts in your gift mix, um, one of many gifts or instruments or resources on your tool belt to do a different office. It doesn't necessarily mean that office is prophetic or in order you may not have an office at all. You just may have that gifting. So the the gift of prophecy, which everyone doesn't have, you know, some have certain gifts, others don't. Uh everyone's given a gift, First Corinthians 12, 7. Um, but just like the parts of the body, we each have a, a, a different contribution. So not everyone has every gift that there is to offer to the body, because then we wouldn't need every all the other uh, parts people, of the body, yeah. other, other people. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the new Testament tells us the prophecies for edification it's for exhortation. It's for comfort. It's a, it's a word, you know, a, a message given by God. Uh, the inspiration comes from the Lord regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, maybe how one delivers it. Some like to deliver it in first person as if it were God speaking, and some may take a more uh, humble approach and offer it, and you know, in third person, or 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 just even say, you know, this is what I hear the Lord saying, mm-hmm. and uh, and and deliver it that way. And 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 uh, the way everyone is gifted may be different. Some may hear what the, the message is first in their spirit. Some may see it. Some may feel it. You know, there's different modalities of how one you know receives that gift. But the gift ultimately is from God to, you know, the recipient uh, through you. You're, you're just mediating it. <clears throat> yeah. You're just the messenger, and you're giving a message to a person or to a group or to a, a church or you know to a nation or or, or whatever. Um, in in the Old Testament, you know the prophecies and uh, the were connected, of course, with 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 the prophets. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came on upon those who were prophets, priests, and kings. The Holy Spirit had yet been given to indwell people like we have now—the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So there, it was uh, uh, the, the 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 outpouring of the Holy Spirit wasn't as democratized, if you will, at Pentecost. But the prophets gave a message also, and it was usually. Um, uh, to a particular people group, usually to the nations and to, uh, the, to the, the rulers of the nations, So to Israel and their King or to, you know, Judah or to Babylon. And, uh, it was usually a call to back to righteousness and repentance. And, uh, So I think that's important to recognize in terms of the content. It's not always prognosticating, um, which many people think it may be, you know, telling the future. I mean, it can involve that, but it seems to be the greater percentage uh, are calls to uh, repentance and righteousness. And and even in the New Testament, I look at the uh, letters to the churches in the book of Revelation as being um, kind of paradigms or models of what prophecy should look like. And, you know, it has its positive element, its affirmation, and then it has its pointing out of the sin, the negative aspect, and calling, you know, to repentance. So it has that same sort of uh, quality and and features to it that's, you know, calling people to repentance, which we don't see a lot in prophecy today. A lot of prophecy today from different people, uh, for me at least, in my perspective, it seems that it's always positive, and it's always about feeling good, and it's always about blessing, um so you know like in the old <laughs> testament a lot of times people and god does all of that but that's not the that's not all of what he does and in the old testament we saw that jeremiah had you know was dealing with these kind of itching ear prophets and uh people that uh prophesy out of their own desire prophesy and project out of their own own will and god warned them about you know these prophets that you know are basically not speaking from him. So you have this the gifts of prophecy that uh that are given for exhortation, edification comfort to call us to repentance uh that sort of thing and then you have the office of a prophet which that office is a gift to Ephesians 4 tells us those are ministry gifts. Christ yeah. gave gifts to the church Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists for the equipping of the Saints, so there's the purpose of it it's not for yourself yeah. it's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry the saints do the work of the ministry and they're equipped by the prophet and working in concert with the other ministry gifts to uh, edify to, to equip to teach to give direction to the body and uh, and, and yeah and like often the prophets did in days of old they were assigned you know to the king to uh, bring that kind of correction and that's hard word at times, like uh, Nathan did to David, uh, the prophet as an office, this is something that's important to recognize in one's call. If one feels called to be a prophet, they should always pray. The first thing they should pray besides confirmation, Lord, is this really you is Lord? Am I called as a, pro- I'm called as a prophet to whom, mm-hmm. to whom, a prophet is always called to something, to a people. That's their jurisdiction. I call you as a prophet to the nation of Israel. I call you as a prophet to the king. I call you as a prophet, you know, to the people called Methodist.
2: Yeah. That's
1: that's what I heard for, for my calling. I call you as a prophet uh, to the United States or, uh, to your local city, to the school board of your local city, whatever it may be, you know, but there's a, the prophet is one who is sent with a message from God. And he is, or she has that office of uh, representing the righteous will and heart and desire of God to speak the truth that God gives them uh, on behalf of, of God to a people. So always asking in that office, Lord, what is my jurisdiction? to whom am i called you know to minister this this office just like if anyone is anything else if you're a pastor well you're a pastor usually in a local church yeah. you know or i'm called to be call a teacher i'm a professor so i'm called to be a professor at united theological seminary that sort of thing you have like a a domain or a jurisdiction of where that office is called to function. I think that's important. And I don't say this to you, for you, but in general for people, because in our, this day and age amongst charismatics, we hear the, you know, we get these words, and everyone thinks they're an apostle and everyone thinks they're a prophet. And I want to say, you know, well, where did this call come from? It's come from God. You know, who is it confirmed by? I like to see it confirmed by a legitimate body. uh uh, uh, people that you know could are in that place to confirm, and usually other prophetic voices that are mature and recognize the qualities of uh, of a leader, the biblical qualities of a leader, to confirm that. Because otherwise, you get people that are prophet in their own mind. You know, God called me to this, (laughs) this, that, and the other thing, and it's like, okay, do those people know that you're called to that? You know, or is it just in your own head, or you just called to be a prophet in general because you decided. And you just prophesy, you just you just shoot that gun wherever. Um, so there's a lot of that kind of technical stuff is to what office, what jurisdiction. You're that's not going to be a prophet to anything and every everyone. Um there's this, yeah, this globalizing thinking that we have as charismatics that you know, once we have this, that I can just prophesy over whatever to whomever, whenever, you know, I'm an apostle over the church and Well, God didn't tell me that you were, you know, um, (laughs) and, and you seem to be the only one that thinks that. So I think those things are important. And then you could begin to pray, you know, okay, God, you called me to this people, you know, you called me to speak to Nineveh and go there, you know, then what, what is, what are the, what's the message, you know, and and a message can vary, but usually generally, you know, he'll let you know what type of message you're bringing forward uh in your ministry you know and and i would say it's you know it's going to reflect those features in the scriptures especially calls to righteousness and and repentance bringing people back to the truth of god so i said a lot i said a lot there so it's an office ordained by god recognized and instrumented through the church and it has a uh, there's an object or a profit to something, to some, uh, to a, a people or an institution. And so there's parameters to it and we operate in in maturity and the giftings that are given to fulfill that particular role. Yeah. Um,
0: one thing that I have, and Actually, I, I mean, I'm just gonna say you prayed this for me, well, like you prayed for me once, and you or you said to me once. I think you know. I see that the Lord has given you a forehead like flint, and um, which is from Ezekiel, and I and it, I think that's a good quality for anyone in ministry. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> right. But um, thick skin, thick skin. Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> thick skin. But it um, that I say that just because. Uh, you know, earlier you were referencing sort of, you know, the the proliferation of sort of more popular prophetic um, stuff out there and people who, you know, always prophesy only happy things. And, and I feel I've never heard anything, you know, you know, judgment is in the hand of the Lord, Right. but it's funny because a lot of times what, on the occasion that somebody will specifically contact me or reach out to me. And usually I, it's only ever people I have relationships with. He'll say, Maggie, could you pray and listen? And then I feel bad because the things I hear are often so boring, you know, they're so like, like, I'm like, well, what I hear is that you should wait upon the Lord, (sighs) you know, or what I hear is that you should just really pray and be patient. And, you know, or I just hear like, don't do anything right now. And then you know people are sort of like, what? That's that's it. That's that's what you got. And I'm like, yeah. Sorry, that's what I've got.
1: <laughs> but see that that's sad that people have come to this kind of consumer mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, hey, I, you know, I, I paid the astrologer money, and I want <laughs> I want some specific prognostications as to uh my life, and that's pretty general. Well, I don't know. I'd like to believe that if they were. Really listening to the Lord, then yeah, they would have heard that anyways. But also the confirmation that you bring would be something, even if it is something that seems sort of general, would be something that would be very in their own heart. They would hear it very specifically, yes, and yeah,
0: yeah. And that's not to say that that I don't hear specific things or or that. Well, I know
1: you do. I know you do. Yeah, Yeah.
0: but I mean, um, you know it's just it's funny like you can talk about all the details with someone and you can say yes i see this and i see that and the lord sees that and then when you get down to the thing they're like okay what's going to happen and you're like yeah. okay nothing is going to happen right now you just have to wait <laughs> and right. so um but you know i i actually i jesus is so good and i think that um i've really learned to to appreciate waiting because when I do things, I make a lot of stupid mistakes.
1: Yeah, I'm with you.
0: So anyway, well, I appreciate you answering that question. And um,
1: well, I, I think there, there's some something important there that, you know, you, you kind of hit on is we don't want these office gifts to replace either A, people hearing for God themselves, yes, that's which right. is kind of what, you know, I'm the implications of what you said. Yes. And so people need to not be coming to the man or woman of God that they know a prophet and say, oh, you got a word for me, you got a word for me, and be seeking the Lord on their own, which I usually tell yeah. people, you know, even if I got a word for them, I won't even give it to them. I say, why don't you pray first and tell me what God says, and then I'll yeah. tell you what I may think. So it can't be a substitute. For people yeah. seeking the, the Lord. And I see often that it is. Everyone wants a shortcut. Yes. They want to go through the prophetic ATM line. They want to go to the through the prophetic six items or less line and get out of there quick. And it can't substitute for that. And it the gifts or the, the ministry gifts cannot substitute for for God. Yeah. Where you know, we're like I become this, you know, mediator. Or this, you know, this, yeah, this charismatic vicar of God's presence in the world and in your life and that sort yeah. of thing. Uh, where all all I should be doing if I give you a word is confirm, I'm confirming
2: hmm. what,
1: what you hopefully, if you've been in prayer and seeking God, you already know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be confirming. We don't walk by sight, yeah, we don't by- walk by visions, we don't mm-hmm. walk by, um, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, we walk by faith, we walk by faith, and, and we do walk in the Spirit, and it, it can involve the gifts, but the, the normative way that we walk is not by seeking a, a, a prophet to give us a word, yeah. it's through our relationship with Christ every day, where we know Him as our Savior and our friend, and the, the Holy Spirit leads us mm-hmm. by the, the gentle uh, inner witness, and confirmation could come through our sisters and our brothers and through the prophetic and all of that but it's not a substitute for it or nor are they a substitute for for god where you know this they have this high sacerdotal priestly role that you know they speak on behalf and i need to you know go to them and they will give me the word of god
0: yeah i whenever we go to you know we when spirit and truth goes to churches we do equipping and a lot of different things and and one of my favorite things to teach in is is hearing the voice of god which or you know and that's such a a grandiose title for something that's just really very normal and but we call it that just because it gets everybody's attention (laughs) but um what when whenever people, whenever we get into the realm of the prophetic and inevitably, and we don't, you know, just to be clear, you don't have to have any kind of prophetic gift at all to hear the voice of God Exactly, birthright in the new creation. When you become a son and a daughter, your father will speak to you because
1: exactly. That's what know my voice. He speaks to his sheep. All the sheep can hear God.
0: That's right. So, and that's the thing I always want to say, like, you don't need me. When you, when you specifically seek that type of prophetic guidance, you miss out on the relational part. And that's Mm -hmm. actually the good stuff. Like information isn't going to comfort you in the darkness, right? but the Lord will. And you have to know him. You have to know what his voice sounds like. And um, I just, so anyway, I could get on a like a little soapbox about that.
1: (laughs) No, but you're right. We're not in the Old Testament where we we need to have God's presence and voice mediated to us through the high priest. Yeah. Uh, We have the high priest Christ living on the inside of us and uh, he will let us know what we need to know. And Mm -hmm. uh, we can get confirming words, you know, from the body of Christ. But, you know, like if David, the king, would have known what he did was wrong when he committed his sin and was on mm-hmm. his face, repenting, probably God would never have had to send Nathan to tell him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I know also on the other hand, there are messages that God yeah. only gives, you know, the prophet. I, I know that there's that as well for whatever reason, God chooses either a, the people can't hear it or for whatever reason, God ha- you know, Sets the prophetic people aside and takes them to a deep place in his heart and shows them how he sees things and allows the prophet to feel and hear and, you know, empathize with what God is uh, is sharing and give a word that needs to be given. So, amen. And and that's all, you know, God's sovereignty, how he he calls.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that is, that is a truly a, a privilege and a, and right. this is a, a I, I want to shift gears and talk about the X seminar stuff, but I, the, the one thing that I will say that changed after being, after that Friday night, <laughs> him is, is that I did, you know, there's something to, it's like getting married. It's like, you can be engaged and you know that that person is going to be your spouse, your, your husband or your wife, but that's not the same thing. Yeah being married there's sort of a a consummation of covenant and so I sort of knew and held very with very open hands you know like okay Lord I know I have a calling in your church and you know but when something when that happened there was a type of consummation that happened and um and the that sense of responsibility wasn't just like a sense of oh well i better not screw up in front of people it was more like lord i love you and mm. um i will do whatever you tell me to Amen. do
1: Amen. um so Amen. That's anyway. awesome. it yeah, was I think, yeah you're right i mean there there's kind of like um it like becomes official sort of i mean it's in it hap- what you already knew internally was now made, declared publicly by someone who has a prophetic voice, so someone, yeah. uh, a leader in the church that recognized that, and it was done within the, in the church, within a worship service, so within that context, so it kind of, you know, crystallizes it, 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 it makes it official, uh, you know, cere- almost, you know, ceremonially.
0: Yeah, well, the, yeah, I'm sure she
1: laid hands on you and know, all of that. And she so, did. And, yeah, and she so,
0: actually was very, um also very like honoring of Matt because Matt is, Matt Reynolds is right, right. my pastor and also the, the leader over spirit and truth. And anyway, he actually, anyway, it was
1: beautiful. Yeah. Was cool. So
0: anyway, well, I appreciate great, that great little debrief.
1: Well, I'm glad, <laughs> glad to hear that. That was a great, uh, great testimony. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Well, um, so, but to change topics, you know, very shortly here, the, uh, you are going to be facilitating leading a seminar based on your book, The X Manual, and it's called The X Seminar here coming up shortly in May at United Theological Seminary. And would you please tell us what this is all about? I'm very excited. I will be there.
1: Oh, you're gonna be there. Great. Heck yeah. Great. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Well, you know, I'll probably put you to work. Sure, I'm I'm <laughs> at your service,
0: sir. So. <laughs> uh,
1: so yeah. So uh, the uh, the book got released last year called the mm-hmm. X Manual. Mm-hmm. X is primarily for exousia, the Greek word for authority. Uh, We have authority in Christ to cast out demons. And so I felt for years the need for a comprehensive book on what is and how to. You know, what Mm -hmm. is deliverance and how to do it. And that's what that book is. It's a comprehensive book on what is deliverance and how to do it. It's for clergy, laity, anyone who feels that call to minister in deliverance that's a a to z 101 handbook on on how to minister uh how to minister deliverance so uh, that came out last year it's been i guess it's been doing fairly well and that will be kind of the guideline that book will be the guideline or the text for this seminar the x seminar so carrying that same theme it's x the Exousia seminar, the seminar seminar on how to use God's authority or how God's authority uses us. Mm. Um, and it will be the same sort of thing. It is going to be a one-day practical class on what is deliverance and how to do it, just like the book. We'll, and it'll, we'll go through a lot of what's in the book and more. Um, it's May 5th. It's a Friday. At United. Hopefully, it'll be annual like the Holy Spirit Seminar. Uh, we'll see how the attendance is. I don't expect it to be as big as the Holy Spirit Seminar, but because uh, uh, it's just a, it's a one day course and it's a specific interest. And you know, some people, you know, how it is when you say talk about deliverance, casting out demons. You know, it's gonna it's gonna divide people. S- some people are gonna run to it, and some people are gonna run away from it. Mm. You know. So there's a seminar on casting out demons. Well, I'm running the other way. <laughs> oh, I need to know about that. I'm I'm running to it. it. It catches people's attention, and it's rarely a subject that people say, "Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that." I don't yeah, have much that's of, for sure. Much opinions about it. they either they either think you're wacky, you know that that stuff is superstitious or make believe or pre scientific. And the only people that do that are people that handle snakes in the backwoods, (laughs) you know, so some people may think those sorts of things or, you know, witch doctors or whatever, or people that, you know, realize that this is biblical and evil is very real. And uh, it is also personal and that we're called to fight and resist the devil. And he will flee from us. We're called to spiritual warfare and we're called to minister it on behalf of others who are bound. That's mm. de- that's deliverance. And so, you know, some people who are already doing it may go, oh, I, I need to learn more, sharpen my skills, you know, so I'm going to go to this seminar and others are going, I have an interest in this. Uh, I don't know a lot about it, but I would like to know more about it. And they're those people are going to sign up. And then most of the people are somewhere in between those two points. So you got someone who's already in deliverance and they just, you know, maybe want to sharpen their skills or something like that. And then you have uh, people that, you know, don't know much about it, but they go, Oh, I, I want to know something. Most of the people will attend will be somewhere in between those points. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, well, we'll be, we'll be talking about it and talking about how to do it and all that. And at the end of the course, there'll be a quiz. On what you heard, and the, the a, a certificate of completion of the course will be offered to those who complete it, mm. and hopefully uh, we will be able through that to equip people for this aspect of ministry, which is often neglected, yeah. ignored, um, swept under the rug, or done in excess.
0: Yeah. I think that that, that's an excellent point. I mean, you rarely, you know, one of the things I've always appreciated about your voice in this realm of ministry and, um, and the sort of, you know, attending to this, this part of the healing gifts, which deliverance is under the umbrella of healing. Yes, You call it, um, you say, look, it's one thing among a comprehensive approach to well-being,
1: right? Right.
0: And and I've always appreciated that because, of course, you know, when we talk about these excesses, you have, um, you know, some people on one end of the spectrum are like, everything is spiritual. Yeah, you know, everything can be cast out, or everything can be dealt with that way. And of course, you know, the Lord wants us to pray for healing, so go ahead and do that. But like, if your physical healing doesn't come, we have the benefit of medicine.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Or, or therapy, or
1: Amen.
0: you know, or uh, psycho, psych pharmacological things. Yeah. yeah, with our psychology, yeah. Those, yeah. there's nothing wrong with those things. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you write about that um, a little bit in your. uh, different book called the cerulean Soul yeah um but I was just wondering like if you could I mean have in your experience with um deliverance what is the process that you go through with a person before you say okay you know what yep, yeah we're gonna engage deliverance here
1: right right well I think you, you hit on an important point and it's to make the distinction right off the bat that uh it's not that everything is a demon yeah. And it's not that nothing is a demon and you have those two extremes so when we're looking at taking care of people in uh, our healing ministry of the church for those who think that it's never it's never demonic that never comes up as an issue they're not equipped to handle that they don't know how to discern it and recognize it yeah and so it goes neglected they may try a lot of other uh options or alternatives. Many of which I'm in agreement with, and you mentioned some of them, like therapy and <laughs> you know, psychiatric medicine, whatever. And uh, if it's something that's demonic, primarily those things are you know are, are not going to affect that demonic piece, and so the person may not you know fully recover, be restored, and they can't figure out why. So you know they're resistant to treatment. And then on the other hand, you have the folk that you know everything's a demon, so therefore yeah. if I cast the demon out. <clears throat> that's the magic bullet that's the cure-all and uh that's not the case either evil's really complicated evil's very complex we are very complex creatures there's 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 hardly ever you know one we're not one-dimensional you know i'm not just a body i'm not just a mind i'm not just a a a soul or, or a network of emotions or whatever uh in some very complicated way that I think ultimately only God knows I'm an integrated whole of all of those things. And so any one of them, if affected can affect the other areas of who I am, because I'm an integrated person. So I could have problems in my thinking that affect my body. Mm -hmm. I could have problems in my body that affect my emotions, et cetera, et cetera. So the, because we're very complex humanity, and because what we deal with and face in terms of evil or ailments is very complex, and mm-hmm. our rep- our approach needs to be sophisticated, holistic, and complex as well. So I look at it as using all the resources that are available from God directly and from God indirectly through gifts of medicine and that sort of thing. Now, as a pastor, many of the people that are coming to the X Seminar you know, they're not going to, most of them are not licensed counselors and they're not medical doctors. So they're coming just on the, just to minister on behalf of the spiritual aspects, you know, that they, they provide the spiritual medicine, if you will, the word of God and the Holy holy Spirit. And uh, they'll learn about referring people, you know, to professionals and not making their own diagnoses and that sort of thing. But what I, what I developed, um, in order to kind of ascertain if a someone needs deliverance is an instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, I tr- I've tried to shape the deliverance ministry in the image of a, the medical model as much as possible. Not that we're practicing medicine, but it allows us to uh, interface with the, the medical model and standardize our practices. So we're not just shooting from the hip. We're not uh, just everything's a demon um There's some standard protocol that one goes through to best figure out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: best figure out. We're dealing with invisible things here, demons. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Best figure out what's going on with the person. And the instrument I created is called the C113 off of Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, where Christ delivers us from the power of darkness. Uh, it's a deliverance passage. And just like if you were to go to a doctor's office, you know, you would sit in the hallway in the foyer and fill out a stack of papers on a clipboard that says who you are and talks about your medical history and practices and whatnot that you've, you know, what what's ailing you, you think's ailing you. Um, that's what the C-113 does. And it kind of screens people. Uh, it has a, It has a checklist of items that need to be checked off before one can go through deliverance because what we want to do is discern is this a medical problem you know is this a physical problem is this a psychiatric problem is this something that can be handled through your your your, you know your church through uh, pastoral counseling or spiritual direction Mm -hmm. or in an accountability group or all the other things that god has available for us and if it can be i refer back to those uh, professionals so they could follow through. And if, if in still doing all of that, they still have the same symptoms, which are, you know, talked to listed in the C-113, um, then we go through and let them take the whole assessment and figure out what is actually going on there. Yeah. Um, if, if the other things are not working, um, ultimately. And so, uh, it, it, it will, it's an inventory of, sinful practices. Since scientifically we cannot detect invisible spirits, demons, the only thing, best thing we can do is empirically look at the effects of what's invisible, the Mm. visible results or effects of what's invisible, and that is the connection between demons and sin. So Mm. the practices of sin according to the scripture being the visible things that are often connected to, not always, but usually connected to uh, the demonic, the, 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 tempter, the one who tempted them into that particular, uh, sin. And we look at, uh, you know, how bound up they are based on various variables, like how long have they been committing that sin, how intensely, uh, that sort of thing. Frequent frequency is a generational. If after taking that inventory assessment, it's like a psychological assessment, uh, you score it. And if they need deliverance, Then uh, we have a trained, your trained deliverance team and the X manual teaches on that, how to train people for it. Um, We'll then schedule a a formal deliverance session based on the C-113. And there's pre-work for the person seeking deliverance. There's pre-work, which usually is involved around repentance and renouncing the things that the the C-113 has flagged. The, so there's their pre-work and there's pre-work for the deliverance team to prepare them. And then there's the actual deliverance session where basically there's an identifying of the sin and the demons. There's a repenting, there's a renouncing, and then there's the binding up, taking authority, and then there's the eviction of the demons. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there's post-work for, uh, for the person that involves renewing the mind with the word of God. We want The demons are just s- symptoms of the problem. The root problem is a, is usually a heart and sin problem, yeah. So we want to deal with that in the renewing of the mind and the post work, yeah. So that's um. kind of complicated, but it's <laughs> it safeguards a lot of in this field. We don't think about liability often, yeah. We don't think about the care of the person and the dignity and integrity of the person that is being ministered to. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times it's done very haphazardly um, in the in the front of the whole congregation, exposing the person and their dignity and integrity and without any uh consent and that sort of thing. And so this, you know, creates those kind of formalities that hopefully will protect everyone that's involved but uh, and, and and most importantly make it mo- more effective yeah I seen too I, many too malpractice
0: well I um you know I know that people may think like you know there are a lot of very good I would say books out there uh, on deliverance um that are are great places to start if you're reading uh, different books. And uh, I love the X manual for several reasons. And I, I want to get to some of those, but I, am um, I remember, cause I, i I've talked to you for deliverance. I talked to you about deliverance for a long time now. And when I first read, I've read your C-13 book. And I, when I was first going through this book, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, Dr. P. Bellini is nothing if not detail oriented. You like it's so much detail, it and is I, it's thorough, it yeah. is thorough. And, and you know, my personal, um, sort of default position can be to be a little bit to get ahead of myself a little bit. So, I just want to sh- share a mistake I made. <laughs> um, I was. I had prayed with this woman, and I had a prayer partner with me. Don't do this by yourself, people. Yeah, um,
1: that's right. <laughs>
0: um, I, had, I had a prayer partner, and we had been praying with this woman, and it was going very, very well. And we seemed to really be advancing. Like it was a combination of, you know, um, a lot of inner healing, which is a slightly different but adjacent, but related.
1: Certain, yeah. yeah, very related. Yeah.
0: Um inner healing, a lot of disi- mixed in with a lot of discipleship work right. during the appointments because this woman had, you know, raw thinking plays into the way you think about is yeah. so heavily involved. Yeah, in
1: it. right.
0: And then also occasionally we would have sort of what I would call in the appointments kind of flare-ups. Yeah. Yeah, and so we would, you know, a little bit of more overt deliverance would break out. And so... I noticed at one point this, this woman came back. So we had a couple sessions and she came back and she said, I feel like everything's moving backwards. And she said, my mind is doing this and she was just describing all of these symptoms that she'd had in the beginning, but had, and had seemed to lessen. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, seemed to be ramping up again and things like obsessive thoughts, dark thoughts, you know um, a lot of anxiety, things like that. And I thought, shoot, crud, what are we missing here? You know, and um, so we prayed, you know, because you got to go to the Holy Spirit Yes. when you don't know what to do. So I was praying and and I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, go back to the assessment. So I got out the assessment and I'm like you know, my prayer partner is talking to the woman I'm looking through the assessment and I'm just reading through everything really slowly. What did I miss? What did I miss? And there's a section in the assessment about medical history that is about things like hormone problems. And so I just stopped there because I noticed that he wrote a little note, but there was nothing about medical interest. So I just paused. So this is, so I'm going to be 45 this year. And this woman was a little bit older than me. And women in this age bracket have hormonal issues. It's very common.
1: It's very common.
0: And I can tell you from experience that it can manifest like all kinds of weirdness.
1: Right. Like
0: It can look like mental illness sometimes. Right. right. So I just stop and I ask her, I said, I see this note that you've written here is this something that you've had addressed by a physician? She said, no, I haven't because the appointment's six months out. And I said, well, will you do me a favor and just maybe just see if, if there's any way you can see your doctor earlier than that, because this could be an issue. Sure enough. She had a major disruption in her thyroid hormone,
1: Uh.
0: (laughs) And I was like, well, Okay, not demons, just need some hormones.
1: Yeah, I mean, and we, we can pray for God's healing alongside the medication that's being used for that and balance it off. But yeah, it's it's like when you first read the C113, you want a quick solution or you see a lot of people that just do er uh sessions so i i know yeah. I, I there's two kind of sessions there's an er session mm-hmm. and there's the protocol like with an appointment which is kind of like yeah. elective surgery you know i'm gonna schedule an appointment yeah. yes er situation you're praying for someone for healing in church and all of a sudden demon pops up well you can't get the clipboard on and say hey schedule for a. yes absolutely you, you got to do an er session and then follow it up with the protocol just like you would an er at the hospital emergency room and then follow up with your physician same sort of thing but when someone goes to the c113 the 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 instrument i created at first they're looking to just zip through quickly or they're going like you said and it is very detailed absolutely it is just like anal pedantic yes Very detailed. And the reason why is, is once someone has been in deliverance ministry for a long time and those people read the C13, it's like, ah, it makes total sense. It's like, yeah, this, this person's been through a lot and knows how to cover all the bases Yeah, because of all the possibilities there could be. And he's just running through the whole permutation of possibilities. Mm-hmm just like it is when you're at a doctor's office and they're trying to figure out something and some things are very difficult to figure out and they get it wrong we're human and it's like go see this specialist go see this specialist and they're trying to process of elimination diagnose what's happening there and it can be very you know specific and and sometimes tough to figure out what's actually going on but uh So that's why it's so detailed like that because of the nature Mm -hmm. of what we're dealing with.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think the, you have to keep in mind, like for me, what the shift, the mental shift for me was, is like, well, what's the goal here? The goal is long-term freedom.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever From whatever the the, the, the symptomology and all the struggle, whatever their issue is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I, it's, it's fascinating because I don't have nearly the years of experience that you do in deliverance, but what I've realized is, is this whole notion of like, you know, evict a demon and problem done. That's just not a thing.
1: That's not how life works. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> not at all. And, and that's not to say that, like, for instance, you do have those ER situations. There, there was one that happened not too long ago Um, you do have those ER situations, but you do have to follow up because that thing yes. is there for a reason. Yes. If you don't address that underlying reason, which I think a lot of times can be addressed more in things like um discipleship.
1: Yeah. 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 Maybe
0: inner healing, which is the the heat the ministry of healing memories and things like that. Um, and maybe counseling,
1: like right, right.
0: one of the um I don't know how you feel about this this image this metaphor that gets used often in deliverance but it's the open door. You know, the open door is the thing that allows the demonic attachment to happen.
1: Yeah, I use that metaphor in the book. Y- yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah, and it's like you have to close the door.
1: Yeah, the demons again are just a symptom. You got to deal with the root of the problem. Yeah. And so just because the symptoms have been treated doesn't mean that your problem has been resolved. Yeah. And so there's a reason why those demons came and it was something involving, you know, usually, usually not always your will and, mm-hmm. and since committed indoors, doors, like you said that you opened. <clears throat> so we need to deal with the underlying causes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and usually it's picks up on whatever they repented of <clears throat> in the uh, post deliverance. We start to address that and to renew the mind, but it's a comprehensive approach it could be like you said, you know, some of it we, you know, this discipleship helps resolve some of that accountability, you know, whatever the, the comprehensive things working together. Or mm-hmm. maybe they were on meds and they do have mental health issues to continue to take those meds, be mm-hmm. regular with them, get uh, evaluated and updated on them while you're doing these other things as well. Yeah. It's usually a holistic, comprehensive approach. And it isn't just a one, this is, going to solve all your problems.
0: One one of the things I really like about um, your approach and, and what gets covered a lot in this book is the fact that uh, I think one of the, the things that happens as a result of a comprehensive approach is multiple sort of s- skilled people have to be yes. involved in this process. Yes, it's a it team cannot, just
1: like in the medical model. Yeah, yes. it, it
0: can't just be centered around one person. Yeah. And who has like a special um you know exorcism yeah. gift yeah
1: gift and, or a personality or a big ministry or yeah,
0: yeah because if if it if that does happen you it you run the risk of creating a different problem yeah for the person who's received healing like suddenly right. if it's just this one person and there's not a sort of a a structure of renewal sort of built in this person's life because you have to adopt different behaviors, different being yes, yeah. all of this stuff. Then that person just get that. The person who needs help gets attached to the right. therapeutic source. Right. And right. that's not good.
1: Right. So for either, I mean, for either person, right. No, right. It becomes to become codependent and that sort of thing. And not any one person has all the answers. So it, it it's a team approach you do a lot of referral, you need specialists, you know, depending on what the problem is. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, Pete, one of the things I like is you talk about, um, you talk about the desirable traits and practices of somebody who, who ministers in deliverance. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that just because you know, this ministry might not be for everyone.
1: <laughs> right, right. That's true. So,
0: so what? What are like? If you, how do you discern? Because sometimes, how do you discern through just sort of like fascination and interest? You know, because it's totally normal, natural to have kind of like a Ooh, what is that?"
1: Yeah, right. But right. How right, do
0: you discern right, if that's like a, a a road that you should go right, down? Right,
1: right, right. Yes. Well, you know, because these are. Regular questions people have. Of course, what I did is invented another instrument. That's what I do. (laughs) My new book, uh, Thunderstruck, uh, The Deliverance Ministry of John Wesley, has in the back of it uh, a a gifts assessment. Now, a lot of people have taken gifts inventories. Mine's a little different. Uh, it's a Wesleyan version of it. It asks different kinds of questions and it seeks different types of confirmation from leadership around you. So that's what one would do. One would take that assessment and see if that particular gift is something that, you know, that they that they have obviously starts with some kind of an interest or feeling that you may have that gift, but it's been confirmed and, and actually been uh, people have been recipients of that gift in your church and your leadership confirms it. So there's like, there's five major questions that one asks that confirms if one has that per- particular gift. Um, and so that approach I recommend. So it's not just, I prayed, I feel like I have this gift, but there's other areas of, of confirmation and it goes through each gift that's in the Bible and kind of lets you know what it is, where it is in the scriptures, what its use is and, and etc. And, uh, it and built into that is also the scriptural, um, to, uh, kind of qualifi- qualifications or qualifiers for leadership that we find throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament that uh, Paul references. So, you know, I always like people that are in general for there's a general kind of leadership, uh, resume that I'd like to see of people that are humble, they're teachable, uh, they're available. You know they exhibit the fruit of the spirit. You know they're not immature and new at all of this. They've demonstrated ability and and under leadership and under accountability and that sort of thing. So there's all the general stuff, and then some of the more specific things is um, I look at uh, deliverance as a utilizing a lot of the pastoral gifts. Mm. It's a combination of the prophetic and the pastoral which is an odd combination, because they're kind of polar opposites. The <laughs> prophetic is the one that ruthlessly calls out the truth that the sin, and it's not going to, it's going to play tough love and no nonsense. No, mm-hmm. this is what it is. And that's it. You know, I don't care what you think or what the culture says, God says, it's a sin. And that's it. I'm only here to represent his word. And yeah. I, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't care what you feel. This is the issue. So you got the prophetic that is really hard on and ruthless on sin, which we should be and ruthless on the devil with the truth. Mm -hmm. And then you have on the other end, the pastoral pole. The pastoral pole is the pole that's the opposite. It does care about the person. It does care about what they feel, what they think, what they're going through, their honor, their integrity, their feelings, their past. It's very sensitive and very caring. Well, the, the deliverance minister brings both of these poles together, if you will. So it's almost like a physician again, like a doctor or a nurse, you know, a, a, a true doctor. And I know today we have a lot of quacks. A true doctor is going to uh, go with biology and medical science when they're yeah. diagnosing, you know, uh, they, they'll ask you about how you feel and all of that. But, if, you know, if you have cancer and they have all of the signs to prove it and, and you say, well, I don't feel like I have cancer. Oh, OK, well, then you don't. You can go ahead. You're fine. You know, that person's a quack. And well, more and more, we're letting the, the patients do the diagnosing. Uh, and it's not on biology. But anyways, that's a whole other story. But the, the the doctor needs to be true to the science. Yeah. They need to stick to the medical science. They need to stick to the latest research that's out there and be truthful and faithful to the science that's kind of the prophetic end so in that sense you go to a doctor's office that stuff is it shouldn't be negotiable right you know what i'm saying it mm-hmm. shouldn't be negotiable. if this 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 guy's going to operate on your brain you know yeah. i i don't want it to be a a, a science and an art mm it's not time to practice art and science. We don't want creative brain surgery.
0: No arts and crafts on your brain. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, no creative brain surgery. I really don't care about subjectivity and how you feel, except for I, I. I hope it's out of the way so you can, you know, operate efficiently. So there's that element of it that, like, you want to see in a doctor or in a nurse, but yet they also have the other side of it, or they should, where it's about people. Yeah, and they care, and they're gentle. Mm-hmm. So, you just don't want to have the people that are, you know, that are warfare people. Spiritual warfare people alone may not be what you always need for deliverance. You know, they're the wrecking ball. That's the prophetic side that's, you know, declaring things in the spirit. And there's a place for that, but that alone is not needed. We don't need just a wrecking ball because we, we want to wreck sin and wreck the devil, but we don't want to wreck the people. Yeah. you got to do no harm. That's the first thing. And, and in the process of doing good, we could actually inadvertently do harm. So we yeah. need to be have a, be very careful and sensitive to people. So we need more of a nursing kind of, a nurse sort of gift mix and mentality than we do someone who is, a you know, someone who's a wrecking ball or a boxer or something. Just they only have that perspective they bring in.
0: Yeah, I actually, it's funny. When I think about those types, like the, the prophetic wrecking ball, I really love those people, um, especially when they're intercessors.
1: Yeah, that's when you need them, man. Yeah. They will, they will fight. They will break through. Yeah, you need that, man. Yeah. You need the wrecking ball.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You need a that's- prophetic intercessor.
0: Yeah. That's Holy no cow. mercy
1: on the devil, no mercy on sin. They call it for what it is, and mm-hmm. they're storming the gates. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a, whenever there's a, there are a couple of people that I, I know like that. And when they're like, Hey, I'm available to pray. I'm like, well, you do that. Cause yeah.
1: and when you're in a yeah. When you're in a deliverance session, you may have someone like that quietly praying in the other room. Yeah. You you, you need that kind of power, but that, that alone does not make a deliverance ministry. Does yeah. not a deliverance minister make.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned your new book, so let's just go there and, and, and tell us about thunderstruck the deliverance ministry of john wesley and when that is coming out so that we can all get a copy
1: great uh it should be out in may or june don't know mm-hmm. yet it's in production um it's called thunderstruck and that's the language wesley used mm-hmm. for the phenomena that would happen when he was preaching mm. or ministering and yeah. people would drop as if they were dead yeah, and it, it wasn't like today's slain in the spirit. I make I'm the only one that's made a distinction between these two things. The slain in the spirit is usually something that happens with believers, it's usually very gentle. The Holy Spirit, you know, puts that anesthesia in you, and you just go out, and it's very that's a very soothing, gentle experience. Mm-hmm. It often happens with believers in worship, and God gives you words of knowledge, and you come mm-hmm. out so edified that is a different experience than what wesley describes these people fall to the ground as if dead they're shuddering they're shaking it's very violent they're quaking they're in agony they're screaming it is it is it is it is not something that is you know very relaxing it is very unsettling and it doesn't happen often with believers though it can but it happens a lot with unbelievers and the result is not you know that God gives you some word of knowledge or speaks to you about, you know, your ministry call. It's usually has to do with your repentance and getting delivered from demonic oppression. Mm -hmm. So these people fall to the ground, they're tormented, they're screaming, they're swearing, they're manifesting like crazy. And then someone usually prays them through. And there's this battle going on between the power of God that hits the person and Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, rattles them. And the devil who's Holding on to their soul, and the, the the bound person who's trying to get free, and so it's this clash of agencies, and they they hit the ground. It's a very violent looking thing. Whereas when you get slain in the spirit and God ministers to you, <laughs> it's a very peaceful thing. It's not a violent thing. I so mean, Wesley called it thunderstruck. They were thunderstruck.
0: Yeah, and I, I think believe... that's the
1: perfect word for it.
0: Yeah, right. that I just have to say, yeah. like. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I, you know Uh, excuse me i haven't been slain in the spirit before and pete i felt like i was being punched in the gut (laughs) and uh, i always i was i often wonder like what's the deal with that lord like why you got to push me over so hard
1: (laughs) yeah sometimes it can be more of a thunderstruck experience but yeah involves deliverance
2: yeah oh yeah
1: and, yeah, and that's what Wesley saw in his ministry. Now, scholarly speaking, I don't know of any scholar that is hit on that and isolated on that mm. and wrote a whole book on it. I have a couple of friends and myself that have put out like, you know, maybe something on a, a, an article on it or a chapter in a book, but a whole yeah. book on it. And then making the distinction between being thunderstruck and slain in the spirit. In the spirit. And then to go through the whole th- corpus of Wesley's writing and pull out where these occurrences happen and explain what they are so the purpose of the book is twofold one to identify and explain what Wesley's deliverance ministry was yeah one two so that believers today especially Wesleyan believers today can uh, open their eyes and heart and mind up to maybe God wants to use them in that capacity and to yeah. equip them for it. So that's the basic purpose of it. So it has this historical, theological, scholarly element that's digging in Wesley's work. So it's lightly academic it's mildly academic that's hitting on, you know, these points so people can, you know, look at the theological detail, because I got to do the hard work there, because so many people just think, oh, you're imposing this charismatic category on the historical Wesleyan, it's foreign to them. So I got I can't do, I I can't, you know, do pseudo, pseudo scholarship, I got to do good scholarship. And then I got to make it uh, uh, applicable to the believer and you know, these are the implications for Wesleyans because we have really lost and out on this. We've forgotten our our Methodist heritage, yeah. and we we don't see ministry like Wesley did. And it's to give us Wesleyans. We need an upgrade, man. We need an updating. Mm-hmm. And we we need to walk in this kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I've um actually, I I've kind of been. Seeing this kind of thing, actually, um, more among believers lately, actually, because I think, I, I mean, just to be blunt, because I think that we've allowed a type of sinful apathy to sort of creep into the church. And um, there has been, I, I would say, I don't know if I've seen exactly what's what's like, I've seen versions of, of what Wesley describes where people will fall so heavily under conviction that, uh, they are, um, trembling very hard yeah. and they, and you can tell they are not feeling in control of their physical faculties. And they feel like a deep kind of very upsetting agitation yeah. internally. And there's a lot of weeping and things like that. And, and these are people who, um, who would say, oh no, I've been in the church for a long time, but they've, you know, but they've made Jesus a pet in their lives, not sort of a central focal point in their lives. And, um, it's interesting. The Lord is doing very interesting, fascinating, wonderful, delivering things in his body right now. And, um, well, I look forward to that book coming out and, um, and the assessment you really you get a lot out of assessments don't you they're a very good tool for you aren't they
1: yeah well it's kind of like the place where my scientific mind crosses the practical because i'm in both places i'm in academia and i've also been a you know pastor and done, you know missionary and events. i've done all of that and a lot of times i like to see you know, those two worlds come together Yeah. where, you know, can, can we make this a little more professional? Can we make this a little more scientific? You know, Mm -hmm. some of the practices that we all do. So can, can we get a little more credibility behind it, a little more science behind it, a little more uh, stability, standardization, codification on it? Can we get a little bit of that going to make it more effective? That's the purpose is to Mm -hmm. make it more effective. So yeah, I do do a lot of, I think in those terms.
0: That's good. Do you yeah. think it makes it more effective because it sort of removes this sort of the the flawed sort of human rationalizationing element from it?
1: Or well, what, it can what, be what that. Do you feel, huh? It can be that. It it, it pinpoints. It's their diagnostic yeah. tools. Yeah. So it pinpoints. You're you're not just spray shooting something, right? And if you just spray shoot something, you may hit something that doesn't need to be hit. Yeah. You know what I mean, but yeah, if I'm just doing surgery in every part of your body just to get to some little—I mean, we use chemo now because we 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 don't have anything better. So chemo's got to whack the whole body just to hit a few little things. If we could be more precise on it, we we would prefer that than chemo. Chemo is very primitive. So, but a lot of our medication does do that. It's it it's specific to the the diagnosis and the, and, and whatever the chemistry issue is. So Mm -hmm. I, if that's what makes it more effective. So the more that we could actually know what we're dealing with, know its causal mechanism and target it with whatever the proper antidote is, you're going to be more effective that way. If you have a target, you know, when you hit it, you know, you you got something to hit. If it's everything, well, then you really, then it could be anything and you really don't know if you hit it or not. So yeah. it's 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 the it's the the precision of science that makes it successful. Amen. It's the precision. And so yeah, that takes a lot of that, yeah. A lot of times the anecdotal or the gut element, uh, maybe not the gut element, the anecdotal element, the guessing. Yeah. Um you know, again, just the kind of broad spray shooting at something, uh, instead of being more more yeah. precise.
0: Well, it's been very helpful for me personally. Um so in in my own sort of prayer ministry and and also just in my own sort of uh, you know walk and formation, I think one of the sorry, I don't know if people can hear that it's my coffee pot going off. Um, sure. One of the things that I have done, you know, I've read and done all of the assessments in your books myself, just because. You know, I just feel like, you know, if I'm going to ask people to do them, I should do them.
1: Absolutely.
0: So I've done them. And it's interesting because I realize it's really good for your own formation, to be honest. I it mean, is. Yeah. It's just really good for your own repentance practice, for your own sort of, for your own personal freedom. Um And people shouldn't be afraid of um, inner healing, deliverance, things like this. And you shouldn't be afraid of the, the aspects of spiritual life that make the dark places exposed.
1: Yeah. It's healthy. Deliverance ultimately, and this is what Steve Siemens, who wrote the preface to that, my ex-manual book said, he said, your book's really about sanctification and repentance. I said, it is. I said, well, just again, think about the doctor. You go into the doctor's office, they run through a protocol that's going to get into under your skin and find out everything about you, take your blood work and all of that. Okay, fine. So you're saying, but what about someone, you know, it's even good for someone who doesn't have a demon. It's just good for their formation. Absolutely. Because once you get healed of that thing, yeah, the various things that the doctor asks you about your blood pressure, your weight, and all—even when you're healthy, you're 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 going through that list regularly to prevent that from happening. It becomes preventative. So yeah, when you go through the protocol, the C113, that kind of stuff is a tool for prevention mm-hmm. of. That stuff happening of falling into sin and the demonic and, or letting the dark sides of your life, you know, go unnoticed and take over it's part of prevention. So the protocol the doctor uses in office to, you know, find out what, what, what's ailing you, you use that every day where you should to be looking at your diet, your body, your health, your blood pressure, all of that stuff should be concerns for preventative, you know, for prevention, preventative maintenance. It's
0: good. It's really good.
1: yeah, so that's what that book's about. It'll be out soon and yeah. <laughs>
0: well, I I appreciate you talking about all of these things. It's been a uh, sort of covered a lot today yeah, in this yeah, conversation and um I'm grateful, Pete, every conversation with you is just so chock full to the
1: brim. Full of so, something.
0: Yeah, <laughs> of good information.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it.
0: So I'm really grateful and uh, I'm
1: grateful for you and your gifts and sharing your story. And I'll be praying for you and uh, watch you flourish and what God's given you.
0: Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. That's been our podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to hit that subscribe button and share this podcast episode with a friend. If you are interested in more information on the X Seminar, head on over to United Theological Seminary's webpage. There you'll find all the information you need. Thank you so much to Dr. Pipolini for being on the podcast with me today, and we'll come back to you in the next conversation.